0: Welcome and thank you for listening to this message from Legacy Church New Braunfels. To connect with us, go to LegacyNB.com. Now enjoy this message from Pastor Jay Miller. So, yeah, God, uh, before I bring the word, I want to receive our First fruits offering. This is the first Sunday of the month, something we've been doing for a while. So if you're new, brand new, we're th- welcome, we're glad to have you guys Um we have opportunities for people to bring their tithes and offerings every single week or day, whether it's through the offering boxes or you can do it online. But we really feel like the Lord said, dedicate a Sunday to worship Him together in the way we give. And so you have to understand everything is worship, including our giving. And so um, uh, if you need an offering envelope, would you just go ahead and raise up your hands and one of our ushers will, will be happy to hand it out to you. Um, but before, before I do, I was, was uh, up at a brother's gathering this last week. And it was really, really amazing. And there was a scripture that really began, that the Lord began to talk to me about. And it's out of uh, Luke chapter 21. It's, it's dealing with the widow's gift or the widow's might. <clears throat> and it says this, Now he looked up and saw the wealthy putting their gifts into the temple treasury. And he saw a poor widow sitting, uh, putting in two uh, coins. And he said, Truly I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all of them, for they all contributed to the offering from their surplus. Let me say their surplus. About about a tenth of it. Your surplus. All right, there we go. But she from her poverty, let me hear you say your poverty. It's not talking about mindset. That's just the the word that's talking about she didn't have a lot. Put in all that she had to live on. Um, The Lord is calling us to move into a place where we don't judge our giving, whether it's our time, talent, and treasure, based off a surplus, but based off what the Lord's put in our hands. Everything that he's given us to live on, We're called to actually steward 100%, but we're called to bring to him all that we have. And so, uh, is it right? You know, what the Lord wants to do is he wants to multiply. We don't give to get, but there is this principle of reciprocity. There is this principle of sowing and reaping. And so we have to come to this place where we stop dealing with an American mindset, which is I'll give what I've got when I can get, get enough surplus. Instead of I begin with this principle that says all that I have is the Lord's and I'm bringing it to the Lord. And I'm trusting the Lord as he moves on my heart that as I give him what he calls me to give. I think when it's talking about the widow's might, this wasn't her feeling compulsion to give. This was her going out of the generosity. The Lord put something on her heart that she said she responded to in worship that actually brought in that widow's might actually was a great gift in the kingdom of heaven. So there's a lot of times we say, what do I have to bring? I'm not a multimillionaire. Bring all of you. Because all of you is actually much more valuable to God than a million dollars from, from anybody else, right? It's the heart behind the giving, and that's what he's talking about. These others were giving out of their surplus. In other words, they were saying, I've had a level of success in my life, and so I can be generous. But it wasn't necessarily moving from the heart of generosity from the Father. It was moving from their own ability to be generous. And so, whether you have a lot or you have a little, the question is this. Will you be generous as the Father is generous? Um, Robert Moore said this, if you boil the Bible down to one verb, it would be out of John 3.16. For God so what? What was love? It was it was the motivation of his heart. The overflow was a verb. He what? He gave. So God so loved the world that he gave, there's this level of the motivation of the heart of the Father That's what we're partnering in with. And so as you receive, as you're bringing your offering today, I just want you to get this, get out of the mindset, is it a tenth, is it this, is it that? No, what's the Lord telling you to bring? The Lord loves a cheerful giver. In other words, the Lord loves you to move into the motivation of his heart because God cheerfully gives all that he has, right? And if we can move into that, we'll begin to move into a level of prosperous thinking that allows these things to not own us, and instead, realize we actually get to manage and send our dollars into the field as soldiers. We get to send our dollars into the field as seed. We get begin to understand that these are actually tools. Money is just the tool in the hand of a king to be able to carry out his kingdom everywhere he goes. Amen? So I want you to stand up with me. And you can see the ways to give. If you gave online, um, you can do that. You can text to give or if you have a, an offering here this morning. So just go ahead and lift up your offering uh, today. Father, we just thank you. And, and Lord, we bring you not just the thing in our hand, but we bring you our hearts. We bring you the motivations of our heart so that we can step into the generosity of your heart and the way that you move, Lord God. That we will refuse to be identified purely by human manna or human uh, money. But instead, we are marked by your heart, which says this, you have everything we need, and we have everything we need through you. And so it's, it, we're grateful to be able to send these dollars into the field of the earth to be able to bring about a harvest of your kingdom, Lord God. May every single cent in this be like the widow's mite that is, is counted as a multiplier. Yeah, I just hear right now, like today's offering, there's there's a multiplication effect that's going to happen in the ministry as we're sown into missionaries, as we're building a building, as we're doing all these things, that there's a multiplying effect into the harvest field through us giving into this day today. And it's a generosity that actually flows back into our hearts and to our lives, Lord. So we thank you for what you're going to do, and it's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Now, there's a multiple ways. If you want to bring it up, we have offering baskets on the front. There's also offering baskets in the back. So if you have your Bibles with you, I want you to, uh, let's just turn into two passages of Scripture, Um, trying to figure out which ones. He was kind of moving my heart to shift a little bit, more tell stories than it was just to pick apart. So let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and put a marker there. And then Luke chapter 4, keep it open there. Luke chapter 4. Um, we were up in uh, Connellsville, Pennsylvania this last week. For those that don't know, um, we've got a Papa Jack Taylor, is our spiritual father, has lots of different sons and daughters, and some of them were with us back in April when we did The Course of Heaven uh, with Brian Higby and Charlie Coker, did an amazing job. So uh, they send their love to you guys. And so Brian also hosts a gathering of family every single June. And so this is my third year coming up. Kelly was able to go with me, and it was a really, really amazing time, and there's something that God began to do uh, in this gathering that was a little bit different. Uh, when we were here, uh, Joel Thornton, who is uh, the, uh, the founder of One Voice International, he shared on our Sunday morning about how the Lord had given him a call to actually hint, uh, end human trafficking in, in, in his lifetime. Um, and I just read a, a statistic the other, or the other day, I was a, uh, a poll that says 80% of Americans finally see Human trafficking is a major issue to be actually dealt with, which was kind of funny. I was like, what are the other 20% actually thinking, right? Um, it, maybe they're the traffickers, I don't know. But, but, there's, this, but there's, there's a momentum in our society right now where there's this realization that human trafficking, whether it be sex whether that be labor, whatever it may be, there, there, there's something, there's an evil in the land that actually has to be dealt with. And, and so, Joel, we're partnering with them in, in the fall. Keep your ears open. We're going to be hosting a different type of conference um, because we're going to be launching a, a regional task force here to partner with uh, local law enforcement uh, governments and things like that to actually uh, end human trafficking. And to the point where I-35 no longer is known as the trafficking highway, but it's actually known as the highway of holiness and, and freedom. And so just want you guys to know it's coming. And so we were standing in, uh, at the end of one of the sessions, and there was this, this prophetic moment. You know when you're in one of those God moments, where it's like every hair is standing up on, on your edge of your skin, the back of your head. is like God's saying something strategically. And so one of our brothers and sisters, they pastor up in Olean, uh, New York. It's, it's up on... Uh, um, like the border between uh, New York and Ohio. And it actually has a really significant history in the life of this nation. Uh, actually, there's a place where masonry actually got some of its, its roots going. Uh, there's a place where um, Joseph Smith with Mormonism after he had moved and was chased out of Utah and across the United States, he'd set up something major out of Olean. Um, there's oil when the first oil reserves in the in North America was found in Olean, There's there's some significant things, but one of the significant things was actually it was a it was a place where the second great awakening actually was birthed and and, and took part. And um, there, the second great awakening was known as a scorched earth uh, awakening. And and what it was is that the fire of God fell so much that. People recognize, like, something's been scorched here. Like, the fire of God came, and there's holiness, and things begin to flow from it. And uh, one of our, our, uh, my brothers, Charlie Coker, he's a, he's a prophet, and he just began to say, he'd studied the life of Charles Finney. If you're, if you're familiar with Second Great Awakening, Charles Finney was a major uh, player within the Second Great Awakening. But what the problem was is that the Second Great Awakening really only stayed as a regional awakening a regional movement it went through new york it went through ohio and then even some other parts of the northeast but it never made it to the south it never made it to washington dc and and there was something that was taking place on that and the lord began to speak to me about this going um there was a blood sacrifice that was necessary for the shedding of blood we know that that's why jesus came right he sacrificed his blood. He shed his blood for the remission of sins. And so there was something about slavery. Because if you also understand history, the Second Great Awakening is what actually led to the ending of slavery. Abolition took place, women's rights took place, all born out of the Second Great Awakening. And, and, and so there was the, the blood was necessary in order to bring remission of sins in the land. Because we all we although we understand this nation was not founded on slavery, that the whole baloney about the Rewriting the history. We just need to, that's not what it was. It was born out of a first great awakening that actually led to freedom. But there was something that was still marking our land, and, and that was slavery. Uh, in the land and and especially even with the the women's reparation stuff weren't even able to vote and the Lord began to say blood was necessary and I sent my son Jesus through the second great awakening to begin to redeem you want to know why the north actually led the revolution to be able to end slavery it's because the second great awakening touched the north but it never made it to the south and so therefore a bloody civil war was necessary to fight to bring reparation to bring a remission of the sin in the land. Do you hear what I'm saying? Because blood was necessary for the remission of sin that cleansed the land. Could you imagine if this, the second great awakening, had not remained in the north? It had made it all its way to D.C., had, had made its way into this mindset, all of a sudden, just like the first great awakening that actually led us, the colonies, to come into alignment with, with what the Lord was doing, that all of a sudden throughout all the territories, all the states, that all of a sudden the blood of Jesus began to wash over, and, and then it was not necessary to fight a human war because the spiritual war was bought by the blood of Jesus. Do you hear what I'm saying? That the, the Civil War would not have been necessary but instead revival actually would have ended slavery. And we were standing there, and and Joel lines us up, and over on one end of it was the couple from Olean, New York. And then then, uh, there was Connellsville, the pastors there, Brian and his wife Janice, who have a direct railroad line that goes all the way to D.C., and there's this governmental line that takes place there. And then you had us standing for New Braunfels and and I-35 corridor. We began to look and saying, but now this, this third of great awakening is coming. The, this, this ending of human trafficking is actually going to take place, and it's going to be taken place by the blood of Jesus. The, the freedom, it was for freedom, it says in Galatians 5 1, that Jesus set you free. And, and so there, there, it's got to manifest itself onto the earth. And I just really feel like what the Lord's doing, I just want you to begin to pray right now for strategies of heaven, to see this connectivity where it's going to start in Olean, where the second great awakening is. But there's a, there's a great awakening that's taking place in our region right now. Um, Friday night during the, the fire on the altar was an amazing time. And there's been a lot of crying out saying, Lord, would you send the harvest? Would you send the harvest? And the Lord said, stop praying for me to send the harvest. It's already here. He says, open your eyes. There was people there on Friday night that, that I, I hadn't known yet. And there was a desire, you could just feel in this room, about looking for freedom, a desire for freedom, a desire to really be transformed. It was something that he says, you need to understand the revival is already here. The harvest is already amongst you. You need to change the way that you think and begin to release right now what transformation looks like in the spirit, which is freedom, totality, and what Christ has paid for. And I'm, I'm telling you right now, begin to pray with me now in these next few months that, that we'll have strategy on actually how to partner with what heaven's doing. It reminds me of Dan McCollum was telling a story about going to uh, India. And one of the ministries that he had is the Sounds of the Nations. And what it is, it's through worship, of writing worship songs uh, according to the local place. What's heaven saying of the local place? And he said, it's great that... Everybody loves Bethel. Like I've been overseas and they'll play Bethel songs, worship songs. They're amazing songs. We sing some of them probably today. But, it, but he goes this, what's heaven saying over the land right now? And so they'll go in with local church leaders and they'll begin to spend some time in the spirit prophetically going, what is heaven? What's the Father saying over this piece of land? And then they'll begin to do is actually teach them to make instruments out of the wood of the land. In this one particular instance in, in India, they had gone through this process. The instrument they made was probably someone like a sitar, a type of guitar, and it was just an instrumental song that was actually written. And they go out to the city park, and, and it's, it's illegal for the gospel to be preached in any form or fashion um, in that part of India specifically. The Hindus will, go, will, will come after you. And so they sat there and this, this guy from the local church, this local Indian, just begins to play the song that heaven was singing over that piece of dirt, made with the wood that came from the land. And this resonance frequency began to go throughout. And all of a sudden what happened is this people, they had these like red bands and they come in there untying them and they're throwing them at the feet of the guy that's playing. And over a period of time, it starts going up and up. And when it's about this high, Dano asks their local interpreter, he goes, what is going on? And the guy is in tears. He's like, I've never seen anything like this. That is their bond to a, one of the Hindu goddesses. It's a covenant. It's illegal for them to take it off. Nobody's preaching Jesus, but Jesus was present because when the presence of the Lord is, there's Freedom. There was freedom and, and they began to release this thing and, and, and it opened up an opportunity for freedom to begin to pour out. And all I'm telling you is this, what's heaven saying over New Braunfels? What's the song he's singing over your house and over your children and over the dirt that you actually currently occupy? What is the song of heaven? What's the heart of the Father that's in this place? It is freedom. But if we would begin to get into the resonance, if our, our prayer time turned into, I'm picking up, I'm tuning in. For, for the younger, you're not going to understand. This is, there's these radios that you had to turn the dial to be able to get into the frequency of heaven, it wasn't as digital. But if you would tune in to the frequency of heaven and begin to resonate inside of your heart, begin to bubble up, even if it's just praying in tongues, but just begin to cry out, Lord, your desire is freedom. Your desire is freedom. Friday night, partway through, all I heard is I, I saw angels begin to stand up, all up and down, 35 corridor, and and they were standing up, and these were different type of angels than I've ever seen before, and it was this, and they were trumpeting, they were heralds, they were like of the company of Gabriel, saying, make way of the Lord, make ready for the Lord, make the way, make the way, be ready, the Lord is coming, the Lord of hosts is coming, the King of glory is coming, make ready, and my spirit began to light up, and it's going like this, you're really serious about bringing freedom to our region, aren't you? He goes, yes. One of the most frustrating things about God is sometimes it feels like he takes a long time to move suddenly. And if we're not careful, we'll move into disappointment because he hasn't moved suddenly on our behalf. But then there's the moment. If you'll just keep your heart free and pure before the Lord. Keep your eyes on him. Begin to tune in the resonance of your heart with the resonance of his heart. He will move suddenly and you'll be ready for the suddenly movement. I want to be careful with this because dishonor does not release honor one bit. My prayer is for other parts of the church who have not yet been tuned into the frequency of the heart of the kingdom. And so therefore, there's stones that are thrown at those who are tuned into the heart of the heavens. And we need to make sure that we don't actually throw stones back. The Lord told me a few years ago, he pointed to the the parable he taught about the harvest field where he says this, I had a group of my workers who were working in the field, and in the last hour he hired more workers, and they got a full day's pay. I'm, I'm just telling you right now, the invitation is open to all those who call on Christ Jesus. There's there's freedom that's coming, and and, and so we have to become a people who are ready to be flexible and movable with the voice of God and the heart of God and what that looks like. That is freedom. Freedom is flexibility. Freedom is the ability to actually expand and contract with whatever the heart of the Lord is doing. Do you hear what I'm saying? Because both expansion and contraction are necessary. If your heart never contracted, it would never pump blood. And if it never expanded, it would never pull in blood. If it never contracted, it would never push oxygenated blood to the rest of your extremities. And if it never pumped up, it would never be able to pull in life-giving oxygen. And I just sense in this season right now, the Lord is saying this, Oh, that you would be free as I am free. So I'm navigating a series. I think it's going to be called Prosper Like Jesus in All Things. Prosper Like Jesus in All Things because he's not calling us to have a poverty mindset. This is far more than about money, okay? We'll talk about money on on the journey, but I just want you to hear this. Money is the least of the things of the kingdom of heaven because it's only a tool or a weapon. You hear what I'm saying? But today I want to talk to you to prosper in freedom like Jesus prospered in freedom. Can we all agree that Jesus prospered in freedom? The freedom of the Father. He says He was tempted in every way we are tempted, yet He was without sin. Let me give you an easier way to think it. Jesus heard a lot of smack talking by the enemy, and yet He refused to bring His heart into alignment with the lies of the enemy. He prospered in freedom. Freedom is not about rejection. Freedom is about what you receive. Let me hear you say, freedom is not about rejection. It's about what I receive. So you can actually receive something from the, from the enemy and it will prosper. Adam and Eve, why did Adam and Eve get into trouble? They were born perfect. I mean, they were created perfect in, in relationship with each other, relationship with God, relationship in their physical bodies, their mind, will, and emotions had never known lack. They had never known rejection. Yet they still sinned. They didn't have a sin nature to, to blame their issue on. What was it? The enemy understands and counterfeits the gospel of the kingdom in every way possible. See so the kingdom of heaven is built on sowing and reaping. The the kingdom of heaven is built on planting of a seed so it can come to a place of prospering. So what was it the enemy actually brought to Adam and Eve? The seed of a lie. That God held out on you. Did he really say that? Did he really is he really taking care of you? You might want to reconsider this. He was calling them to repent, to change the way that they thought, to come into agreement with a lie that started as a seed, but eventually it grew up into a tree that reproduced itself. Because again, the enemy never creates, he only counterfeits. God said, be fruitful and multiply, take dominion over the earth. What did the enemy want to do? He wanted to be fruitful and multiply in his lies within the heart of people so he could take dominion over the earth. That's the way it works. So now it wasn't about Adam and Eve's ability to reject the seed or the lie of the enemy. It was their ability to say, no, what we've received from God is enough. What we've received from God is enough. What I'm currently receiving, because remember this, they could eat from the tree of life. It still required, not rejection. Listen to this. It wasn't about rejecting the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It was about them receiving the tree of life. Let me say that again. Two trees. It wasn't their ability to reject the knowledge of good and evil. It was their ability to receive the tree of life. They didn't have they could pick up the fruit, it wouldn't hurt them. It was only when they received it that it actually actually transformed them. And so we need to come into agreement of what the Lord is wanting to do to prosper you in this place. We have to move out of a mindset that, that thinks lack and starts looking at what am I receiving from the Lord? Romans 12, 1-2, it's a, it's a verse we use all the time, but I tell you what, the basics still work. Romans 12, 1-2, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, let me hear you say, by the mercies of God, this is a gift to you. Listen, listen to what Paul is saying, I urge you, According to the mercy, the grace of God, the gift of God to you, it's a mercy thing for you to listen. To present your body as a living and holy sacrifice that's acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world. Let me stop here. Being conformed is not, again, it's not about you don't be conformed to something by rejecting something. You only are conformed to what you receive. You will only be conformed to what you receive, not what you reject. You hear what I'm saying? So this is not the fight against keep the enemy out, keep those thoughts out, get rid of those thoughts. No, I put my eyes on the Lord. I hear his thoughts. I hear his ways. And I'm receiving what he is doing, and then my body is actually conformed to what is true. So do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Again, this word is transformation. It's metamorphosis. It's the caterpillar goes into the cocoon and out comes a butterfly. It's a brand new DNA. You have to receive the mind of Christ that will actually transform you into what you could not become outside the mind of Christ. That's what freedom looks like. And freedom is an ongoing experience, an ongoing expression. In Galatians 2.20, it's one of my favorite verses in all of the New Testament. It says this, I've been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. This next part's important. And the life I live in this flesh is lived by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, if this is your first time here, you might be looking at your Bible and saying, well, my translation says the faith in the Son of God. It's actually not what the original Greek talks about. It's not just about having faith in Jesus. The demons believe in Him, and they, yet they don't serve Him. The Greek literally says the faith of. How does Jesus believe? What are Jesus' ways? What's His faith look like? My life is lived by the faith of the Son of God, not just in the Son of God. It's an important distinction because it actually creates a level of responsibility inside of my own life. I can no longer say, like, the devil made me do this and I did this and da-da-da-da. no, no. What are you believing? What have you received? What are you living from? It's got to be the faith of God. It can't be this faith in Him. Because then if it's just in him and he doesn't show up the way you expect him to show up, you think you have a right to be disappointed and offended by him. I'll, hope I, I'll try if I can. i might <laughs> have to go back and rewind that. No, 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 it's good. Rewind. Yeah, it was a God thought. No, it's all right. Uh, Here we go. So, if I have faith in God, which puts me in this parameter where he serves me, serves me, it's in his ability to do something, and he doesn't do it on the timeline, I think he should do it for me, I reserve the right to be disappointed in him. Rather than when I step into agreement with, I have the faith of Jesus, which includes the timing of Jesus. Did you hear that? The faith of Jesus includes the timing of Jesus. I just want you to let that settle into your spirits. Because freedom, once again, is not about what you reject, it's about what you receive. And when you receive something, you're literally submitting to it. When you eat a piece of food, you're submitting to whatever's contained inside that food, whether it be poisonous or it be beneficial to your body. But in that moment, you've surrendered. You've gone all in because you're bringing it inside of you. And sometimes it could be a roll of the dice depending on where you're at. But you've submitted to it, you've surrendered to what you've ingested, what you've taken in. And it's in the same way, if you're not careful with what you listen with your spiritual ears, if you're not careful with what you're looking on your eye gates, it's not about what you're rejecting. It's about what you're letting inside these eye gates that actually has the ability to conform you to the world. You hear what I'm saying? So why do I put my eyes on the Lord? Because I want to be conformed. You, you become what you behold. In fact, there's this verse in, I didn't write it in my scripture, uh, in my notes, but it's Romans chapter 8. In verse 16, it says this, The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. The spirit of the Holy Spirit of God testifies. It's a legal testimony. In the New Living Translation, it says this, whatever spirit, the Spirit of God joins with our spirits to affirm that we're children of God. Affirmation, it's, it's a legal declaration. So I'll tell you is this, whatever you join your spirit with, you will actually conform to. You will allow it to testify to you of your identity and your value and your worth. That's what it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't conform yourself any longer to so the way of thinking of the world. Because the way, here, let me hear you say the way. I, I wore my shirt. My, my, my son gave me a Father's Day present. It was the Dadalorian. If, if y'all didn't watch the Mandalorian, I'm sorry. It was actually fun. I know Disney has gone super woke, but I enjoyed it while well, I had a moment before they went totally crazy. But the way. They have a creed. They have a way that they go about things. And what I'm hearing, I want you to hear is this. You must become familiar with the ways of the Lord. Israel goes through the desert place. They watch God rescue them from Egypt. Moses strike a rock, water comes out, manna comes down from heaven. And after all those incredible experiences with God, they had faith in God. They didn't have the faith of God. And at the end of it, it says this, and Israel was familiar with his deeds, but Moses was familiar with what? His ways. Why was Moses considered a friend of God? Because he knew the ways of God. Not just what God could do, but the way he thought, the way he breathed, the way he had compassion. This is what allowed God to, for Moses to come whenever he comes down from uh, the mountaintop and, and, and the people just really screwed up. They took all the gold from Egypt and they made a golden calf and they start worshiping him. And God's like, I'm done with these people. I'm going to start just over with you again, Moses, because I start with my friends. I will start with my way, and I can multiply you. I don't need a bunch of people. I started with Adam, and what did Moses say? But God, that's not according to your ways, God. What will your enemies say about you? It moved the heart of God to come back into the alignment of the ways of the Father. And I'm just telling you, that's what freedom is about. Freedom is not about constricting you down to a narrow rules and regulations. Freedom is freeing you to be free from the ways of the enemy in the world so that you're free to actually. You're the body of Christ. Is God sovereign? In his sovereign will, he chose to limit his activity on the earth to a people who would submit and conform to his ways. Why is there human trafficking in the world? I I think it's because the people of God, we had not yet come into conformity that this is an evil that needs to be ended. Well, no longer, because there's a people on the earth that are saying, "Uh uh-uh. And just like the second great awakening, there was a turning of the tables where it was like, we'll fight for what's right. Now hear me, this is not a battle against flesh and blood. Because all, all of a sudden I could hear the political arguments. The political spirit wants to come in and starts, oh yeah, 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 who are you going to vote for? Her. No, 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 it starts higher than that. It starts higher than that. We can accomplish more in the spirit than we can accomplish in a thousand years with our activity. But, it's a big but, it still requires your activity. Your partnership. You're a co heir with Christ. You co labor with Him into the earth. But here's what. Sometimes I think we are using our co laboring with Christ according to our ways and not His ways, and therefore we see a mixture on the earth some that's God and some that's us. And that's why there's an ineffectiveness in the world to bring transformation to the culture. You hear it? But when I surrender fully to His ways, suddenly now, when I act in His ways, on the earth, I'm co-laboring with Him, and now you see a full expression of God on the planet. You okay out there? Let's look how Jesus operated in freedom. Even while He was exhausted, He was hungry, and He was under the salt of the temptation of the enemy. Luke chapter 4, verse 1 says this, Now Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led around by the Spirit in the wilderness. Two things I want you to pick up on. One, He's full of the Spirit. Two, He's led by the Spirit. We must be fully filled with Him, but we come into this place of conformity that's led by the Spirit of God, even in the wilderness for 40 days. Look what it says, verse 2. Being tempted by the devil. And he ate, can we, can we all agree before I go there? Was Jesus, did, did, was Jesus a sinner? Okay, so temptation is not the sign of sin. We need to grow up in the body of Christ where we treat every temptation of the Lord as if I walk back into my old stupid sin. No, you were just being tempted again. It's not about what you reject, but what are you receiving? If you don't receive the temptation, it actually has no effect in you. But, but the enemy's really good at bringing up shame and guilt and condemnation, going, oh, well, the, the devil tempted you with that. I don't care if you came out of addiction, you came from pornography, or this or that, somebody walks by and all of a sudden there's something in your heart goes, ugh. Did I move into sin? Did you receive it? No, I didn't receive it. I feel ugh. then you you didn't fall into sin. Freedom. It's for freedom you were set free. Step into that place. Papa Jack uh, said this, the moment you discover that you have a thought that did not occur to God, you must jettison that thought as quickly as you can and, and receive the fullness of what God has for you. Receive the mind of Christ. So for 40 days, Jesus was tempted by the devil and he ate nothing during those days and when they had ended, he was hungry. So says everyone that's gone through a fast. <laughs> and the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell the stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And then he led him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. In other words, it was basically a snapshot. Every civilization, every government, every rulership that it ever would take place, he's showing them what it is. And the devil says to him, I will give you all this domain, listen to that word domain, in its glory, for it's been handed over to me, and I can give it to whomever I want. The key to any lie is it has an element of truth. It is true that he had the ability to hand over, because when Adam and Eve handed over their dominion, the next most powerful being on the planet picked it up illegally, but he picked it up. So he had the capacity to get the Son of God to come into agreement, knowing that Jesus is there to restore the kingdoms of the earth to the kingdom of, the, of his Father. But look at he says, this. The, the hook. Therefore, if you worship me, it will be yours. But Jesus replied to him, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Once again, Jesus, it's not about rejection. Jesus is like, I ain't buying what you're selling, bro. I've already received the, the kingdoms of my father. I'm here to get back what is already rightfully mine. Verse 9, And he brought him into Jerusalem, and he had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, If you are the Son of God, this accusation of identity, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will give his angels orders concerning you to protect you. And on their hands they will lift you up, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. He quotes him scripture. That's how brazen the devil is. Because he knows there's power in the Word of God. Isn't that funny? Even the devil knows how powerful the Word of God is. How about we believe it? Just, just saying. Verse 12. And Jesus answered him and said, It has been stated, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And so when the devil had finished every temptation, he left them until an opportune time. And then Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread through all the surrounding region, and he began teaching in their synagogues, and he was praised by all. Here's what I want you to see here, multiple things. Number one, he was already full of the Spirit and being led by the Spirit. That's what sustained him through the desert place. It wasn't the temptation that filled him with the Spirit. He was already filled with the Spirit. In other words, he was already filled with the ways of his Father. He was already filled with the ways of his Father that allowed him, therefore, When the temptation came, he was actually to say, this is the way. This is the way. This is the way. Well, what about this? No, this is the way. Well, what about this? This is the way. This is what I've received. This is the way of the Lord. This is what he's showing you. And when he exits the wilderness, he's still filled with the Spirit's power. See, it wasn't the sign of the temptation that Jesus was in trouble. It's just showing that he could be tempted in every way that we're tempted and yet be without sin. In other words, if he's the firstborn among many new brothers and sisters, which includes you, if you're born again, say, I am. Okay, so you can be tempted without sin. Freedom. Freedom. And that's basic 101 Christianity. But it's moving to the place so that you actually can do what Jesus did in verse 14. And he returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. Here's what I want you to pick up on. When you go through a temptation, when you go through a trial, continue to know the ways of the Lord. Know that you are free in Christ so that when you return out of that temptation, you can actually move in the power of the Spirit to set other people free. Why did he want to get Jesus to come into agreement with him so he could short-circuit the ministry of Jesus on the planet? Why does he want to get you to come into agreement with him, the enemy? Because he wants to short circuit the plan of God in your life specifically. It's for slavery that Satan set you into, into chains, but it's for freedom that Christ set you free. You just have to understand what the game is that he's actually playing. So notice that Jesus never moved into shame, guilt, or condemnation because the enemy was tempting him or that he was being persecuted. I don't have time to go through all the scriptures, but much other times you see in the scriptures where he's being persecuted by the religious elite and Jesus never moves into shame, guilt, or condemnation. He never receives the persecution of the Lord. And I want you to hear this. It, it, It concerns me sometimes when the body of Christ takes a badge of honor for being persecuted. Be very careful. Your badge of honor is not persecution. Your badge of honor is Jesus himself. Because if I take a badge of honor for being persecuted, it, must, it means therefore I have to be persecuted more in order to have honor. And my honor is never dependent upon persecution. In fact, if you want to have influence in a society that's gone completely wacky, you have to learn how to be unoffendable. Somewhere in Psalms it says the righteous are undefendable. Why? Because their righteousness comes from Him. When you remain unoffendable, you now have authority and influence in those who would have offended you before. Because suddenly they have a picture of how many... We know this about Jesus. All the Pharisees and Sadducees were attacking Him with the exception of a handful. After the resurrection of Christ... Suddenly, the tables are turned, and the vast majority of those Pharisees and Sadducees became believers in Christ except for a handful. You notice how it flip-flopped? While he's alive, there's only a handful that believed him, right? Nicodemus, after the resurrection, there's only a handful that rejected him. Why? Because Jesus refused to become offended with them. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. You want to know a key to freedom? Forgiveness that leads to innocence. Freedom that declares people innocent of all charges. Because Jesus, freely you give. That's why freedom cannot be about rejection. Sin was about rejection, but freedom is about acceptance. This does not mean, hear me on this, that we accept the lifestyle, lies, choices of every person out there that's living contrary to the image of God. No, no, no. It means this. We receive who God wants to make them. And then that becomes a key and an opportunity and an invitation for them to actually be fully transformed into the image of Christ. If you become what you behold, let me ask you this question. What has the world beheld of the church for a while? Rejection? Condemnation? They've been holding that. So they've become that. But imagine if they saw a church that says, your sin doesn't scare me. It's going to kill you, and it's going to separate you forever. It's not the best life that God has for you. But let me actually become like him so you can actually be conformed to him. You hear what I'm saying? It's an invitation for freedom. That's why churches that will say, well, accept you as you are and leave you as you are, that's not actually freedom. It's not. It's it's a confirmation of sin. False identity. But a body of people that will say, this is what Jesus looks like, and he can declare you innocent. Just come to him. Just receive him. Just receive the forgiveness, and I'm telling you what right now. I'm going to finish with this story. You'll be surprised at the transformation that takes place. I'm going to try to make this a Cliff Notes version. There's a friend of ours who's, who moves in freedom ministry for a while. He, he had a public-private practice and he um, was telling this story about a woman who had come into his—it was a secular practice uh, who had been physically, mentally, emotionally abused by men. And at that point was identifying, uh, it was a lesbian. And that was, this was before really the, the transgender thing had become a social thing. So at that point, she was dressing very manly, very masculine, all these different things. But there were some issues going on inside of her life, and she was ready for some sort of transformation. So she's coming to, to our friend. And he just begins to minister to her over a period of time, talking to her about identity and how some of the trauma and things that she had received from trauma was actually having a physical impact on the decisions that she was making. She was afraid of men. And what, part of what it was was this. I was weak as a woman, so therefore I must reject femininity and become masculine so that I can actually never be hurt again. Because there's this the perception that masculinity would actually protect her because masculinity did not protect her. You hear the, the, the distortion. So anyway, over a period of time, he's ministering to her, and, and there's little things. One day, he gets a phone call from her, and actually, his, his assistant says, says yeah, I think you need to take this. He's like, okay, so hey, I I, I didn't think we had an appointment till next week. She goes, no, 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 you don't understand. It happened. And this is a woman in her mid-30s. He goes, well, what, what happened? She goes, I started my period. I I don't know what to do. And And he's going not catching up, going, well, certainly at 35, you you've this has happened before. You, you know, do you not know? And he's like, no, no, no. I've never had one in the entirety of my life because her abuse took place pre-puberty, and her body conformed to trauma and a way of thinking that had shut everything down. And because over this period of time, and he walked her through that, and she eventually... Uh, really became saved and, and walked these things out and, be, and began to embrace her femininity. But here's my point. It was, it was being able to say, hey, there's freedom in Christ. There's this identity thing that took place. And so what you receive, if you've received trauma, it's time to actually release trauma. It's not about rejecting it. It's about letting go. What has influence over you? That Romans, Romans 8.16, whatever you join your spirit to will inform you who you are and what you're capable of. It will either put you in chains or it will set you free. And what happened with this woman is she began to come into alignment with, oh, being a woman is not a bad thing. That should have never happened. But I, it's okay to safe to be a woman. And her body actually healed itself. Spirit, soul, body. So often we start at the, the physical body, and it really just needs to be a heart healing or a spiritual truth. So I want you to stand up with me. I want you to close your eyes. Just get comfortable with the Lord for a moment. Or uncomfortable, it's up to you. And I just want you to ask this question, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me about your ways that I need to know differently? Just, just listen to him for a moment. There may be some in the room right now where you're struggling with this message because you're in the middle of a trial, a temptation, some form sort of tribulation. And the situation is speaking really loud. And very convincingly. And I just want to give you an invitation to release it. So you can receive what God is saying to you right now. Just like that story of a woman who had embraced a lie in order to protect herself. It was in the moment when she began to actually receive what God said about her. That healing came in her body. Breakthrough came in her body. I just want to tell you right now, breakthrough is near for you. Breakthrough is ready for you. Because the one who brings breakthrough is in the room right now. There's some others in the room where the Lord wants to prosper you. He wants to prosper everyone. This is for everyone. But he wants to take you from a place of complacency into a place where you fully open up and receive the more that He wants to do in you. The more He wants to say to you. The ways that He hasn't even revealed yet to you. And I hear the Lord say this, is that if you will be willing to conform yourself to a process of His ways, that you change the way that you think, the way you process reality, that on the other side of that is prosperity. There's another group in the room right now. You may be watching online. You're here present. You've never given your life to the Lord. You're not born again yet. You haven't been saved, but something's been tugging on your heart the whole entire morning. And this is the invitation of the Lord. says this, all who come to me will find me and I will give you rest. I will make you whole. I will transform you. And just like the other things, all that's required is not rejection of your past, but a receiving of your future found in Christ Jesus. That if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is your Lord, and you believe in your heart, you receive the truth that God raised Jesus from the dead so that you would be raised, you can be saved right now. So if that's you right now, to say, I receive you, Jesus, I receive your salvation. I receive your forgiveness, and I receive your innocence. Yeah, that resonated in the Spirit. To say it together, everyone in the room, I receive your innocence. Yeah. To say it, I am innocent, because I am the righteousness of Christ now, Holy Spirit, would you just come into this room and begin to pour out, Lord, just like when Jesus was filled with the Spirit before going in the wilderness. Lord, we pray for a greater measure now of your Spirit to flow in our lives so that as we go out of this place, as we leave this place, Lord God, we're even more filled, more saturated, more filled with love than we've ever been before, Lord God, so we can just leak everywhere we go, God. That, Lord, even by, that more people will be saved by accident just because we've been in your presence than through a program. Father, we just thank you, God, that there's freedom that's coming to our city. There's freedom that's coming to families and individual lives. And we will co-labor with that. And we just declare this right now in Jesus' mighty name and all God's people said, amen, amen, amen. Somebody give him a shout of praise. Come on. Thank you so much for joining us as we seek first after God's kingdom and release it to transform lives and cities. If you would like more information about how to grow in the kingdom or connect with legacy, go to our website, www.legacynv.com